We're going to continue reading from Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 11, verse 13, which is on page 892 of the Black Bibles. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, 6pm. My name's Ed. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. And uh, I just want to say you guys are so lucky to have Andrew here. You guys are onto a great thing for your dinners and everything. He loves you so well and provides all these wonderful things. So it's just really lovely to come here and see all the good things going on at our 6pm church. Tonight we're in our second week of our journey with Jesus, counting the cost, following Jesus on the road to Jerusalem. Last week we saw that Jesus put the call out to, to count the cost in a big way, to leave everything behind and follow him. This week, we're going to be looking at counting the cost in the little ways, the day-to-day ways of listening to God speak and learning to talk to Him in prayer. Uh, Just this last week, we farewelled a a great man of God, a great member of our church family in Peter Bradhurst. Uh, Peter had been a Christian for 65 years. He died at the age of 83. He had followed Jesus through the loss of a child, the loss of his first wife, the loss of a love career through the ups and downs of life. And when you ask great people of faith who've gone the distance, what's the secret? They always say the same thing. Read your Bible, say your prayers. 
there's been research conducted by the Bible Society into the number one thing you can do for spiritual growth. They surveyed numbers of people. They uh, conducted research on, on, on all different churches and denominations. And you know what the number one thing you can do for spiritual growth? Read your Bible. A member of our own church, Camilla Israel, she's uh, the marketing communications manager at church. She did a master's thesis on uh, how Christians go about um, renewing their faith after a period of spiritual dryness. She interviewed 100 members of our church, and you know what she found? Three things. Read your Bible, say your prayers, and interestingly, serve other people. It's a way to lift up. Well, tonight is a message that no doubt you've heard before. You know the importance of reading your Bible, saying your prayers. And we're just going to unpack this very simple sentence up on the screen for us here. God speaks to those who take the time to listen. God listens to those who take time to pray. If you've been a Christian for a while, you know the importance of reading your Bible and saying your prayers. You know that that's what you need to do to stay strong, to grow strong, to keep strong. But uh, as my mentor often says to me at the end of our time meeting together, he reminds me, uh, the blessing doesn't end now, the blessing starts now. We've thought about what God says. The blessing is not in knowing what God says to do. The blessing is in obeying what God says to do. And so you've got to ask the question, You might know the right thing, but are you putting it into practice? I'll never forget the first minister that I trained under the day that he he said to me, I have to confess that I, I have to stop saying prayer is a priority. Because the priorities in my life, he said, are the things that actually happen. And prayer is just not happening. So it's just not a priority. And so that raises the interesting question for you and for me, Perhaps people who've been Christian for a while, who know what we need to do, what does the last week say about the priority of listening to God speak, of talking to God in prayer? Is this the first time you've had a Bible in your hands since last Sunday? Have you been talking to God or at God all week and perhaps you haven't stopped to sit and and listen to God? It's been the first week back at school for many people here. Maybe it's just a a manic week and and you're thinking, well, this week was a write-off. But week two, I'll I'll really get things back on track. But you've got to ask yourself the question, it's term four now, uh, or it's October if you're not working in terms. We're 10 months into the year. What does the pattern of the year say about the priority for you of listening to God and talking to him in prayer? Well, Jesus invited us to come on a costly journey of discipleship and follow him. As well as the cost of following him, there is the promise, the wonderful promise that when we turn to God, he is there to speak to us if we want to listen. And if we speak to him, he is there to listen to us if we want to pray. So let's turn our attention to the events of Martha's home and this lesson from the school of prayer from Jesus, of the disciples, and see what there is for us to learn about hearing God when he speaks and about talking to God uh, when we pray. Firstly, let's think about the context just briefly in terms of where we're at 
on this journey with Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, uh, we've skipped over an interaction that Jesus had with an expert in the law. This expert came to Jesus and he said, uh, good teacher, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the drill. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And to teach this expert what it meant to love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus taught him the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then Luke chose to put these next two events here. They're not necessarily the exact next two things that happened in Jesus' journey, but they were things that happened along the journey because Luke wants to teach us that this is what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, to listen to him and to talk to him in prayer. So loving God starts with listening, and God speaks to those who take time to listen. Well, what an honor it was that day when Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Martha and Mary, and and Jesus came into the home of Martha. The Son of God was here with his disciples. What an honor. What What a privilege and what a responsibility. Well, Mary saw the privilege. So where did she situate herself? Verse 39 tells us. It says that Mary, the sister of Martha, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And I hope you know that that privilege is available to you right here, right now. That privilege is available to you every time you open up your Bible, that you can sit at the feet of the God of heaven and listen to him and learn from him to listen to him speak. There's a lovely stillness to Mary that day, isn't there? You can imagine there was a fair bit of sort of excitement and you know, kerfuffle going on around her, but there she is, sort of still, and there's two types of stillness going on with Mary. There's the stillness of just being near or with her God. The Bible says that Jesus is an anchor for our souls. And you see that, don't you, in those people who spend time with their God, they're just anchored, they're just just steady and still. But there's also the stillness of what Mary's chosen to do. She's just plonked herself down right in the middle of the action, sitting there, making time to just be there and listen. And it's worth asking ourselves, isn't it, in in the busyness of our weeks, is there time that we're just still with our God? Just maybe 10 minutes, maybe half an hour in, in your day that you give time to God to sit, be still, and be with him. Well, Martha was the opposite of still, wasn't she? Martha had lost sight of the privilege, and Martha was all responsibility. Uh, Martha was overwhelmed. She was frantic. She was in a flip. Verse 40 tells us, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. You can imagine her. She's, Jesus has come to town, and you know, he probably didn't ring before, there are no, no phones, so he's just rocked up and she's thinking, there's nothing in the pantry. So off she goes, she's run to the Woolies, she's on her way back, sort of lugging the big bags and thinking, oh, I've forgotten, I haven't made the beds yet, I don't know if I've got any linen. And then she's just there frantically in the kitchen, you know, baking and chopping and putting things in the oven and, and all the sort of hype and she starts panting and you know, all that things that people do when they're wanting to get attention in the kitchen. And she just lost sight of things, hadn't she? Where was Mary? There she was, 
sitting serenely down at the, the feet of Jesus. So she <laughs> sighed even louder, you know, tried to grab everyone's attention. And it's worth just pausing and thinking about what we can observe from verse 40. Martha was distracted. Uh, to be distracted means to get pulled away from a reference point. Uh, Martha had the Son of God in her living room, but she missed it. She was distracted, pulled away by all the responsibilities and all the things that she had to do. We too have the very word of the living God in our hands in the Bible. But what things pull us away from him? Maybe you just have an overcrowded schedule. Maybe life is just so frantic and fast-paced that there's just no time to notice God and be with him and, and learn from him. These things, well, they're a wonderful distraction, aren't they? I think about how many half-hour Bible times I have that have been turned into 10-minute Bible snacks just by going on, I just, oh, I'll check that message and then, you know, well, I'll just quickly glance at Instagram and better check what's happening in Brexit and I'm on Sydney Morning Herald and then it wouldn't be right to leave my phone without knowing what the weather's doing in the next half hour. Before I know it, I've turned half an hour into 10 minutes and what's left for God is this semi-distracted bit of myself, just scraps to give to him. It's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? But not only was Martha distracted, she was distracted by all the preparations and that word preparations is the word serving, the word from which we get the word ministry. It's often translated ministry in our Bible. Martha was distracted by all the ministry she was doing. And I hope you know that that is very, very possible for you to be so busy ministering, so busy serving Jesus, that you miss Jesus. So busy doing things for him that you forget to be with him. If you don't know what this is, you're a, you're a lucky soul here tonight. This is an Alvanto Church run sheet. This gives us a minute-by-minute minute rundown of what we're meant to be doing, what we should have done, and what we have to get through before 7.15 tonight. And, and I have to say that with one of these in my lap, gee, I find it hard just to be present in church. There's so many things going on in my mind. Oh, what about dinner tonight? It happens, doesn't it? With dinner tonight, I imagine some of you are responsible for what's in the oven right now. And, uh, and it can happen time and time again. We can be pulled away by the serving that we're doing. We leave church early to go and make sure the hot sausage rolls are getting hot in the oven and we, we fail to sit and listen or we might not even come to church because we want to prepare a great supper for after the service. But Jesus says that the best thing to do is to be with him. Well, there's Martha doing all these things, missing Jesus because she's so busy serving Jesus. She's, she's puffing and tutting around the kitchen until, you know, perhaps a, a pot boiled over and she burns herself, oh, and she goes out and, and interrupts this listening crowd and says, Lord, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? You know, wouldn't it be the neighbourly thing to help me? You've just taught about the Good Samaritan. Surely the good thing to do would be help a struggling sister. Tell her to get up and help me. You can feel the pain for her. I can feel 
her frustration because I've been there so many times. Doing good things for God, but missing the best thing that God wants me to do. I was once part of a a church plant, and we used to run our church in a school hall. And if you've ever been part of one of these churches, you'll know that the time before the service is this frantic rush to get the chairs out, get the flags out the front, signs on all the doors, parking arrangements, and barista at the front. And and I remember as we were rushing around one day, uh, Steve, the sound guy, he he sort of just made an off-the-cuff comment. And he said, I wonder when we get to heaven and we stand before Jesus, I wonder which of the things that we're doing, he'll say, did I, did I really ask you to do that? Did everyone need a coffee before they came into church today? Did there have to be parking signs all around? So often we can be so busy doing all the things we think Jesus need, needs that we forget to listen to Jesus and find out what he wants. And Martha She asked Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? Can't you see the the frazzle that I'm in? And Jesus does care. He really cares. He cares enough to correct her, to teach her, put her back on track. So he says, Martha, dear Martha, among the many things that you're worried and concerned about, the one thing you're not concerned about or not worried about is listening to me. Yes, you're busy and preoccupied doing good things. The meal still needs to get made. The beds need to be prepared. But you haven't chosen the best thing. Have a look at Jesus' response in verse 42. Few things are needed, Martha, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And that word chosen or choice hit me like a ton of bricks this week. Because we often say, don't we, I just totally ran out of time this week. I totally ran out of time to spend any, any time we've got. Well, Jesus reveals it for what it really is. He reveals it for how God sees it. It's a choice to do other things but not to spend time with God. God reminds us that we always have a choice. We might look at things and think, well, if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. You know? It's just not going to get done. Jesus says we always have a choice. The choice to spend time first with him, with Jesus, and to put things in perspective puts our hearts in the right place to serve him and perhaps helps us to see how things could be done another way. So I just wonder if Martha had joined her sister Mary and sat at the Lord's feet that day. I wonder if the meal still would have been made and perhaps many hands would have made light work. I wonder if the beds would have still been prepared and and it would have been done by people not with begrudging or angry hearts, but people with glad and rejoicing hearts. If Mary had started first with her Lord, then perhaps she would have seen, uh, sorry, Martha started with her Lord, she would have seen things clearly and seen God's way of getting things done and getting through things. So will you be a disciple like Mary, choosing to take time to listen to God speak? to sit at Jesus' feet. Because as this story is revealed, we can get all muddled up doing good things for God, even good things that we think Jesus needs. But until we've done the best thing, listening to Jesus, sitting at his feet, that is the first and foremost thing that he wants. Well, loving God looks like taking time to listen to him speak, and it also looks like speaking to him in prayer. It's our second point tonight. 
that God listens to those who take time to pray. As the disciples were traveling along the road with Jesus towards Jerusalem, uh, they saw in Jesus that it was this time of prayer and him retreating to you know, cold, early mountain mornings. He would, he would go off and pray and go into solitary places. They saw that this was where Jesus was getting the, the perspective on things. He just kept getting things right. He had amazing power from God to do work miracles and wonders. They saw in him this wonderful intimacy that he had with his God in heaven, uh, with his Father in heaven, and the way that he would just sit like Mary did at his Father's feet. And so they came to him, 11 verse 1, and they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And I hope that's an encouragement to you that, that prayer is something that you can learn. Prayer is something that you can grow in. Prayer is just communication with God, and we can all communicate, but communication is something you can learn and grow in. Uh, In the same way, prayer is something you can grow in. Uh, Even an atheist can pray. Uh, They often confess to calling out to God when they're totally desperate, Um, but it's something that we can grow and develop and mature in. And I think about the ways that I learnt to pray. Uh, I learnt to pray by praying with other people. I remember when I was at university, it was the first time I prayed in a group, in a little Bible study group. It was really awkward, I was a bit sweaty, and uh, I was incredibly self-conscious about the words that came out of my mouth. But I kept praying with these guys, and I kept learning how to pray from them. I learned how to pray from my friend Mike. He invited me to go on a prayer walk. And this was wonderful for me, because I didn't know that you could walk and pray at the same time. And it solved my problem that I kept falling asleep whenever I tried to pray. So there we were, walking and praying. I learned to pray as I read books. I read a little book from this really old guy, Brother Lawrence, who had great reflections on prayer. I I learned from Don Carson. He wrote a book called A Call to Spiritual Reformation. Great book about the prayers that Paul prayed in the Bible and what we can learn from that. I also learned to pray from uh, the Alpha Prayer Course, It's a free online resource, 15-minute videos, all based on the Lord's Prayer. Really great little insights and, and, uh, and just tips and encouragements for how to grow in your prayer life. You could easily find that. It's available to everyone. Another way I learned to pray was through the Anglican Prayer Book. It's a really wonderfully well written, well articulated prayers. Lots of ways that you can learn to pray and grow in prayer. But it wasn't that um, it wasn't that Jesus was expressing his prayers really wonderfully that, that was what the disciples wanted to learn. It was the, the intimacy and the relationship that he had with God that they were eager for. And just before we go any further, it's, it's worth just pointing out, did you realize that Jesus had to pray? You know, this is the, one, this is the son of God. This is the perfect, sinless son of God here on earth with us. And he needed to come to his father. How much more you and me, hey? Well, we're the ones who are struggling with sin and, and, and frail humanity just sort of overwhelms us so often. How much more do we need to come and pray? Well, we like, Jesus need, uh, we like the disciples need to come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he does. 11 verse 2, he, he teaches us to pray. And I've summed up, 
this kind of the way Jesus teaches us in three arts. The first is he teaches us that prayer is about relationship. When you pray, he says, verse 2, say, Father. And isn't that an incredible privilege that Jesus invites you and I to talk to God and to have with God the kind of relationship that he, as the perfect son of God, had with the God of heaven. That he called the God of heaven his father. And he invites you to talk to God as your father. The prayers of the Old Testament, a lot of them were directed to the, the great God of highest heaven, the Lord of armies, the God of Israel. But Jesus says, you, you can call him Father. And, and, and that is what prayer is first and foremost about. It's, it's about relationship with God. It's about enjoying God for who he is. It's not about bringing lists of things to him. It's about being with him. And I think about my own father, and I think about the way that he loves it, not when I call him up and say, Dad, fence posts are falling down again. Can you bring your drill over? Or, Dad, could you babysit on Thursday? He loves it when I just go over to his place, and we don't say a lot to each other. We just sit on the green couch, and we watch the rugby and enjoy each other's presence. And, and prayer starts with just enjoying the God to whom you have been invited to come to as your father. So it starts with relationship. And, uh, and prayer is first and foremost about this relationship, about enjoying being with God, a point that Jesus makes in verses 11 to 13, where he points out that earthly fathers know how to give their children what they need. They know how to provide for their children. But he goes on to say that the very best thing that you can have from God is not your requests, uh, the, the requests that you come to him given, but actually for God to give you the thing that you need more than anything, which he tells us in verse 13. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you not what you ask for, but what you really need? His Holy Spirit himself to those who ask him. The very best thing that God can give to you is the gift of himself. And it's knowing him better. It's loving him more that we should primarily be after when we come to him in prayer. But just in case we get too comfortable with the sort of coziness of calling God our dad, our father, it's worth remembering that fathers are an authoritative figure, particularly in Jesus' time and and so it's, it's worth remembering that God doesn't exist to do your will. No, you exist to do his will. A point that Jesus goes on to make as he teaches us about the next R of prayer, which is reverence. He says we should go on and our first request should be that God's name be hallowed. Hallowed be your name. I wonder how many words there are in your vocabulary that you use quite often and have no idea what they mean. Uh, probably hallowed is one of them. Uh, to hallow something is just to make it holy, to recognize it, recognize uh, God's name as, as it is, holy, awesome, glorious. It's actually a prayer that God's glory and his fame would be the first and highest priority that you have. It's the first thing Jesus teaches us to ask in prayer. And that this should be the first, it actually puts into perspective a lot of the things we pray. God, help me get into the A's for football. God, help me to win lotto. God, help me to get that awesome job that everyone else would envy. 
Are they going to glorify God? Probably not, so forget about bringing those things to him. You can bring them, but just remember in light of his glory and his perspective. Your kingdom come, Jesus told us to pray. This is a prayer that God's reign and his rule would be recognized and realized on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is so much more than a shopping list for God. It's about aligning our hearts with God. It's about our will aligning with his will, our plans aligning with his plans. And his plan is that his kingdom would grow and spread and advance and the world would recognize his rule and his glory. As with hallowing, well, God's kingdom uh, coming is primarily the, the, the place that you're most responsible for that is in your own life. And so that's the place to make sure that God is first and foremost being hallowed and upheld as holy. It's the place to first and foremost make sure that God's kingdom is advancing in your own heart, in your own life. That's where God needs to be given the glory and where the kingdom needs to be growing. Well, the work of revering God in prayer and, and lifting your eyes up to him does a really wonderful thing because so often in our lives, we get bogged down in the little details, don't we? We're, we're thinking, oh man, it's Monday tomorrow, I've got to pack my lunch and I've got to pay that bill and oh, Tuesday's coming up, I've got that interview and all these little details that, and, and, and often we look at life as if through a microscope. We get focused on the tiny little details. But coming to God, hallowing his name, revering him and, and, and seeking his kingdom, well, that's switching the microscope for the telescope, isn't it? It's looking up and seeing your life in the perspective of what God's doing. It's like when you walk out under the stars, no one looks up at the glorious night sky and thinks, man, I've got a busy day tomorrow. <laughs> no, you go out there and you go, what is my life in compared to that? Who am I? And as we come to God in prayer and we, we worship him for who he is, it and adore him, well, it puts our little worries into perspective, doesn't it? The third R, the last R, is requests. And I'm not going to talk much about this because we're so good at asking things from God, aren't we? So often we just start with the shopping list. Um, there was an interesting observation made by uh, one Bible teacher that if heaven is the place where we will be with God forever in uninterrupted fellowship and friendship and communion, where we'll talk with him and walk with him. He said a lot of us are going to be lost for words because in heaven all your needs are met. You spent your whole life just asking God for stuff. What are you going to chat with him about? It's the same for us, isn't it? We can, we can be so busy asking God for things that we forget to just enjoy time with him. But he does tell us that we can make requests. And so just quickly, the, the three types of requests he suggests that we make are these that we ask, verse 3, for our daily needs to be met. You'd be surprised at what God thinks are your daily needs, probably much less than what you and I would, would desire. He also tells us that we should request or ask for our, our sins to be forgiven. We should ask for forgiveness. And having experienced the greater forgiveness from God, then Jesus says, well, we must also extend a lesser forgiveness to those who've also hurt us. And amongst the other requests that we make, we need to keep requesting that God would protect us spiritually from temptation. It's important that you remember that life is a battleground, a spiritual battle, and you know this about your God. 1 Corinthians 10.13, 
uh, that God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he is faithful and will provide a way for you to stand up under it. You need to know that about your God, that he will look out for you and look over you. I wonder as you look back on the prayers you've been praying in the last week, do those things feature? Just prayer for your daily needs and sustenance, a prayer for forgiveness and and spiritual healing, and and prayer for spiritual protection. Important things that we must come before him for. Jesus concludes his teaching on prayer by reminding us of what the God is like to whom we come in prayer. And he tells us this story about the man visiting his neighbour, and I'm just going to Australianise it for us to help think through how how it relates in, in our context. So it's Christmas Eve, and you are responsible for baking the Christmas Day pavlova. You've been at the late night service at church, and you arrive home, you left it really late, it's a midnight bake-off. And you get to the, the fridge, you look in the egg carton, and there's only one egg. What are you going to do on Christmas Eve? You think, I'll go to the neighbour. Well, going to the neighbour says, says two things. It says a lot about who you are. It also says a lot about the neighbour. Well, firstly, you're only going to go to a neighbour who you know is going to have the eggs in his cupboard to help you. And secondly, you're only going to go to a neighbour who you know is going to love you enough to actually get up and provide for your needs. And when you come to God in prayer, you need to know that you're going to a God who has what you need and can provide what you need. You're also going to a God who loves you enough to give you what is good for you. You're going to a good father when you go to him in prayer. But Jesus said that you should go to him with shameless audacity was the word. It's a pretty brazen thing, isn't it, to look through your neighbor's window at midnight and just see a little light on, start rattling away. Well, he says that we should come to God with that kind of bold, courageous requests. Come to him and knock on the door of heaven. Jesus says, when you knock, you will find that door open. When you seek for help from the God of heaven, you will find a loving father there ready to provide for your needs, powerful, able to help. When you ask the God of heaven to provide for you, to be there, when you ask him to have more of him in your life, you'll find a God willing and glad to give himself to you. So friends, God listens, God speaks to those who take time to listen, and God listens to those who take time to pray. There's no secrets to discipleship. There's no shortcuts. Jesus invited us to count the cost and come and follow him. And I wonder what the cost is going to be for you. Perhaps it might be the cost of a Martha-like person who needs to forgo that uh, deep, innate desire to take control of things and make things happen. Maybe you're going to have to surrender that. Maybe you're going to have to let things just go a little and things not get done to the standard that you enjoy so that you can count the cost and spend time with your God. Maybe, like Mary, you're going to need to suffer the embarrassment of just sitting down in the midst of a busy workday at the table at lunch and just spend that time with your God. For all of us, it's going to mean time. 
It's going gonna, it's gonna to mean the cost of, of half an hour a day of blocking out that time and saying, God, this is my time to be still with you. It's going to mean the cost of disciplined praying and, and learning and growing to pray and talk to God and enjoy his presence as Father. Friends, Jesus invited us to take up the cross daily, count the cost, and to follow him. Let's pray that we would be those who count the cost by talking to him in prayer and listening to him as he speaks. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you speak to those who take the time to listen. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to learn to be like Mary, to sit still and come to the feet of Jesus, picking up our Bible and learning from you. God, we thank you that you listen to those who take the time to pray. Help us to enjoy our relationship with you and help us to revere you as the Holy King. Help us audaciously bring our needs and requests to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.